Welcome to Unstoppable Minds, a podcast out of the University of Florida, looking at the challenges and triumphs that come with a life in academia and research. I'm Dr. Kyla McMullen, an assistant professor of computer and information science and engineering at the University of Florida in Gainesville. And I'm Dr. Jeremy Wesa, a postdoctoral associate also here in the Herbert Wertheim College of Engineering. We know quite well that science, research, learning, it's all about trial and error. So we're sitting down with some of our colleagues here at UF who've stared down some pretty big challenges in the quest for knowledge. So we're at the University of Florida, and when I was an undergraduate student here, we were referred to as Town USA <laughs> because we won so many national championships. And when I say that I'm a fan of football and Florida football, I don't know anyone else who is as crazy as I am about that sport and this institution. These are facts. Like, literally. (laughs) And ironically, Lakeisha, who we're interviewing today, is a football fan too. But Lakeisha isn't just a fan of the sport. She actually is conducting research, which is around concussions, that could change the game forever. I'm Dr. Lakeisha Williams. I am an associate professor in the J. Creighton Pruitt Family Department of Biomedical Engineering here at the University of Florida. So Lakeisha's research definitely has broad implications that impact football, but it could also benefit soldiers in war zones who might be at risk for head injury while they're defending the country. Yeah, we've seen the news articles and all of the information come out about concussions, especially as it's related to football. But I don't think a lot of people know about how concussions are plaguing our military. Another thing that really sets her apart is the fact that she has such a passion for students. And when you talk to her, all of her passion and drive for her students really, really comes through. Yeah, we as researchers are often really removed from the students. And Lakeisha is an example of someone who is committed to ensuring that she doesn't get too far away from her connection to the students that she works with. And the insight from that that we'll gain from this interview is pretty, pretty amazing. So, Lakeisha, what does your research focus on? I studied mild traumatic brain injury, so I evaluate how the brain is damaged, uh, specifically at the cellular and fiber level. So oftentimes in the clinic, uh, specifically in the hospital, when someone has a head impact, they go in the hospital and they're evaluated through MRI or CT scans or some other clinical modality. Some things we notice is that there are limitations to these scans. These scans are not going to the depths of what's possibly happening in the brain. You know, like in a car, if an engine goes out, the mechanic can remove the engine and dissect it fully. Well, that's not the case with the brain. So what we are doing is developing very novel tools to be able to look into the brain at the cellular level to see if there's bleeding or any other trauma that's not captured while the patient is in the hospital. It sounds like you are leveraging technologies from all across campus, not just things that you would find in like the biomed labs. So I'm heavily involved in Magnite Brain Institute. I use their MRIs. My students are training and being prepared to use those. Uh, We use the nanoscience research facility. 
NRF, we use their transmission microscopy, whether it's SEM or TEM or those types of things. Um, Several other core facilities that's giving us microscopy abilities as well. And all of those things are here on our campus that you can access readily. And the students have the ability to be trained on them too. Absolutely. That's, that's, they're running it. That's amazing. (laughs) Absolutely. And they love it. And those skills can be translated from here into industry really easily or into another academic position once they're done. And my little baby is here in the studio. So if you hear any little coos in the background, that's what it's coming from. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure in your courses, you have students that come up with some of the craziest questions that you could think of. And sometimes they're really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's something about having like this fresh vision of what is going on uh, with a problem. So I had a student freshly into her PhD, just finishing her undergraduate degree. Name is Nyan Lee. She would ask me very deep questions all the time. For example, one question was, Dr. Williams, what is life? So of course, I didn't answer that question, <laughs> but she came to a question of research. When she was developing her research question, she said, Dr. Williams, do woodpeckers get concussions? Upon asking that question, I knew we were going to dive in deep. And I asked her, I said, let's find out. So we spent seven years of Nyan's career looking into that question. And as we looked into that, we found that there are unique features in the woodpecker's skull and in the woodpecker's beak that we can utilize to understand and design energy mitigating materials. We found that the beak have very, very unique keratin bone and foam. And we also found that there's a hyoid bone that's wrapped around the brain of the woodpecker that serves as potentially what we believe and others have since reported years prior to us that serves as a potential um, seatbelt-like feature that protects the brain as well. Did you ever think about woodpeckers in their brains? Not at all. (laughs) Wow. Like, graduate students are amazing. Our graduate students are amazing. Absolutely. I think it's just really cool how you can ask these, you know, just seemingly trivial questions, and then they inform a whole line of research. Yeah. And and in this case, the woodpecker question ended up playing a huge role in Lakeisha's work. Yeah. And... It's helping her address chronic traumatic encephalopathy. What would your research and work building a better helmet do to address CTE? We know from research that it comes on through repetitive impacts to the head. The, The impact goes to the head, rattles the brain, and causes repetitive injury. And we have an interest in developing helmets based on what we know from nature. So what we know from woodpeckers, Uh, ram's horns, and other natural systems. And we want to develop padding and other unique features inside of the helmet to be able to stop this or mitigate this energy that's going through the helmet, through the skull, through the brain. And so hopefully that the players and the soldiers' brains won't experience as much, quote unquote, rattling when they're hit. So what are the long-term implications of this work? I mean, we we want to see less of this, right? Unfortunately, there's no markers or very few things out there that are clinically approved to be able to treat this. What we can do now is from the helmet, being able to, in a sense, catch it or to be able to stop, prevent, prevent it, right, prevent it, or even lessen the prevalence of what we see these days. So... Hopefully, there'll be tools developed and microscopes developed and other things developed that we can see it and ultimately treat it. But right now, we're just trying to prevent it through the design of helmets. 
we've talked mostly about how Lakeisha's work has lots of overlap with sports and specifically football. She also has work with the military and ensuring that CTE isn't a prevalent issue there. Yeah. And those are two very male-dominated fields. Yeah. Like, if engineering itself weren't enough. (laughs) Right. And we're also, like, not even discussing the fact that she's an African-American woman. Right. And a younger one at that. Yeah, she's definitely someone who a lot of folks aren't used to seeing in those kinds of spaces. They're not used to seeing them, and they're not used to seeing them as the expert. Yes, the expert in the room. So we asked Lakeisha what it's like when she goes to conferences and other work-related events where she's basically in a room with 99% men. It's not always easy. There are times where I feel like a fish out of water being in a very male-dominated area. I'm proud to say that in the field of biomedical engineering, we have a large representation of females, which we are very proud of. And even my department here at UF is over 40% women. However, there are experiences when I go to other conferences and meetings. For example, one time I was invited to a meeting last year to talk a heavily male-dominated field. Uh, I went to their national meeting. And as I was walking the halls, I felt the looks and I felt the tension. I had to almost close my eyes or just envision I was in a different space on a runway and tell myself, (laughs) you were invited here. You belong here. Until I got to that speaker room and that made my talk so much better. So there are still times when I have to talk to myself and let myself know that I belong here. I don't know if that will ever go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people don't know what it feels like to just be out there and you're the only one like you. Yes, absolutely. Wow. I can definitely relate to this. Like, I wish I could say that I was shocked. You know, similar to her being a Black woman and you're in male-dominated spaces and you have to just basically, you know, talk yourself out of that. Yes, I feel that too. And to hear someone, you know, who's... She's an associate professor, right? Yeah. Like, to, to have tenure at a university... And still be experiencing that. I mean, there's a term, imposter syndrome, and we like to, like, throw it around, but it's real. And she just so eloquently deals with that. Yeah, and I think it's so important to have a mentor, like someone Mm. who can just build your confidence in what you're doing. Well, recently, the National Academies commissioned a consensus study around the science of effective mentoring in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and medicine. I mean, we're talking about some of the things that they found, which is that with mentorship, you are much more likely to complete your degrees, that having role models matter, that having someone that you can confide in a safe space is important. Absolutely. We asked Lakeisha about her journey and how she found her way into engineering because we know she had help along the way. And her story actually supports the findings that we were talking about in that National Academies report. Initially, I started off as a microbiology major, but I realized I was having such a hard time remembering these biological terms. It was just coming. It wasn't. But the math, I was practically teaching my calculus class as a freshman. So it was clear to me, like, switch, go to something math. And I realized biology and math, bioengineering. My mentor, Dr. Mary Beth Lima, um, she really encouraged me. As soon as I got in, I believe this is a large reason of why I stayed in this field. As soon as I came in as a freshman, she was a new assistant professor, um, new to a lot of things, learning herself. 
And I went into her office one day. She's a a, a white female. And I go into her office and she had an Oprah Winfrey picture on her wall. (laughs) And me seeing that, I was like, I just felt at home. I felt like I'm welcome here. I did. I don't know. Because of Oprah. Exactly. Or because of the picture of a black woman. <laughs> like, right. I'm like, okay. Like, she, this is a safe space. This is a safe <laughs> space, right? I'm from of my background from inner city, majority black schools and all. This was my first time in an environment outside of my norm. And having this woman have this um, picture on her wall. So then we talked and she invited to hire me. And then from there, I worked with her through my master's and She's definitely one who I I admire and attempt to model a lot of what I do after. So I could imagine when you then went on to get your PhD, how was that like? Like, were you, did you see more representation? Were there more Oprah posters? <laughs> as soon as I got in, I joined the bridge program, uh, Bridge to the Doctorate. And that was where I found my community. Uh, it was an NSF sponsor program. And it was a lot of underrepresented students who were, headed towards the PhD program. Most of us were in science or engineering, and we just stuck together for a very long time. I was the first underrepresented minority, actually African-American, to graduate with a PhD from the biomedical engineering program at Mississippi State University. And weren't you also the first Black faculty member, too, in the department? Yes, first Black faculty and first female faculty in the department for several years. Wow. So what types of things do you do to just make sure that no one else has that same isolating experience? I feel like I walk around aware looking for students who are seeking support or have questions. Just letting them know that, you know, in a sense, that invisible Oprah poster is on my wall. Like just walk in and you can come in and and have a conversation with me at any time. I intentionally reach out to the uh, Black females in my department, undergraduates specifically, and invite them to shadow, invite them to visit with my students. I believe representation and exposure, they're both key to asking the right questions. And so it's working. I see students who are now interested in PhDs who, when I first invited, had no interest. I think just getting them in there and having that person that Mary Beth Lima was for me, answering those questions or even giving them questions to ask. Um, That has been critical. Also working across the country with other universities. We have an NSF-funded program between myself and several other PIs where we're training PhDs and postdocs in engineering, women and minorities, to be prepared for the job market when it's their turn. That is amazing. Like, so having this heart to just reach back out to to students, PhD students, grad students, this has to carry over into your classes as well. So how do you intentionally make sure that your students here at UF feel like they're included? So I think students need to understand that they have a voice and their voice is valued in, in the space what they're in. And it's not just me reflecting everything I know on them, but I need them to teach me. And so part of my philosophy is, you know, give ideas, contribute to your peers, and let this be a collaborative environment. And that's that's one of the things that I foster in the classroom, just a community in the classroom, even if it's just for a semester. What types of implications do you think that these conversations have on the actual science that the students are conducting in your labs? Confidence is key. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get it overnight, and I'm still learning. I still walk the halls, as I said, like and pretend it's a runway, and tell myself I belong. Um, I think students need to know when they're right and when they're wrong. They need to be celebrated when they make some achievement. If they submit an abstract, that's 200 words. You know, let the whole lab know this is this person's putting our work on the map. 
So answer your question, Jeremy, it makes a huge impact. Sometimes as scientists, we can get bogged down on the day to day. Mm -hmm. But being intentional about letting our students know that I know you may feel intimidated, especially our underrepresented females or just underrepresented students. You're, you feel alone and isolated, but you belong here yeah. and you are contributing to this place. And if it wasn't for you, this would not get done. Well, Lakeisha, thank you so much for joining us here. We learned a lot and your research is so fascinating. Thank you. It has been a pleasure to be with you all. I love how Lakeisha's story is just one more example of how with support early on in your career, you can be incredibly successful. And then you can turn around and reciprocate that help and change the trajectory of so many other people. Yeah, mentorship at all levels, like what Lakeisha's doing here, is so important because you have no idea how you can change people's lives. I mean, literally, it can be as simple as affirming a seemingly stupid question. Like, the woodpecker question is seemingly benign, right? But it had so many implications on the work that she's doing. And then for Lakeisha to turn around and affirm her and encourage her to ask more questions like that. Yeah. Yeah, we have to teach students that it's okay to have questions and to actually pursue those questions. A lot of times students are used to being told what to think versus Mm. raising their own questions and being inquisitive about what they're reading. In addition, like, just her presence on our campus is something that encourages other students. Like, role modeling is a form of mentoring. And in the sciences, in, in engineering, representation is really low. And to have so many faculty who are from diverse backgrounds in our faculty ranks at UF is amazing. Like, we are nationally ranked in the number of diverse faculty that we have in engineering. And it's why the university has been really focused on bringing in diverse scholars all across our campus. And we're promoting it. Like, we're doing what we can to to let people know, like, hey, you can come here and you can feel supported to feel like you belong at the University of Florida. This is Unstoppable Minds, a podcast out of the University of Florida. I'm Dr. Kyla McMullen. And I'm Dr. Jeremy Waysom. Thanks for joining us. Unstoppable Minds is produced by Endeavor Content and Katherine Welch. Managing producer, Samantha Allison. Creative development by 160 over 90 with Benjamin Riskin. Engineering and post-production by Amita Ganatra and Adam Allison. Unstoppable Minds, owned by the University of Florida, is created with many thanks to the talents of Allison Clark, Emily Cardinali, Matthew Abramson, Brianne Leanne, Wise Clairvoyant, and Brian Sandusky. If you like what you're hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more information about our show and the awesome professors at University of Florida by visiting our website at ufl.edu slash unstoppable minds. Until next time, go Gators! <laughs>